Welcome everybody to Summer School, a space for the woke, witty, and sometimes ratchet educator, for our educator allies who just want to get it right, for those who want the real inside scoop of the day-to-day -day joys and woes of working with black and brown children, families, and communities, for those who know black and brown educators are needed, multi-dimensional, and sometimes just petty as hell. I was in my first year teaching at an all-boys high school. Y'all can already imagine how I had to walk through the building ready to throw these hands at any given moment if anybody looked or said anything crazy to me. But I was having a really rough day for whatever reason, like most days during my first year. These boys would not stop talking, moving around, joking during the entire lesson. They were pissing me off. It was one of those days where I had to step outside the classroom, take a deep breath, hold, hold back the tears. That's just how frustrated I was. So eventually I just snapped, literally blacked out. I think every teacher has had that moment at least once. I started yelling, saying y'all are ungrateful, you don't listen, just be quiet, pay attention. So after I get off my soapbox and writing up half the class, they still chuckling. And one of them yelled to the top of his lungs, that's why her ass ain't got no man now. I must have turned and looked at him with so much shock. But deep down inside, I was like, you're right. You're right. That's why I ain't got no man now, because of y'all. Of course, my first reaction was to send him straight out the class. Looking back, I wish I had the tools to appreciate their energy and their jokes. I realized that I was contributing to their lack of engagement and ultimately robbed another black boy of instructional time in the classroom. If I could do it all over again, I would have just admitted, yeah, I ain't had no man, and appreciate the value of those black boys in my class. It's time for professional development. Here we'll connect with the guests or I'll explore a topic that's meant to challenge our thoughts and sometimes just say the things we've all been thinking. Our guest today is an actor, storyteller, producer, and educator from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Ah! Oh, okay. Philly. Yes. Philly. Yes. Yes. His passion for youth and development was instilled at a very young age, being like most of y'all out there, raised by a teacher slash principal all of his life. Joshua became more involved at the high school for creative and performing arts in programs such as Caravan and Philadelphia Freedom Schools, serving a wide range of youth in the area. After receiving his BFA in theater from Howard University, HU, <laughs> he has had the pleasure of working in regional theater and off-Broadway while supporting major dope platforms like Nickelodeon, Wildin' Out, and the NBA. One of his most recent ventures has been serving as a dream director, really a transformational coach for high school students across the city. Welcome, Joshua Nelson. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi, Josh. Welcome on. Welcome to summer school. How are you? I am doing as best I can in this predicament. <laughs> All right. no, I'm, I'm good, though. Good. That's awesome. Happy to hear that. So in, in good fashion, 
I would love for you to share just a hilarious moment that you've experienced within education and the ways that you've interacted, I think, with youth has been um, a little bit different as like a coach and a mentor. So we'd love to hear from you any experience that you've had that's just been like, did I really just experience that? Just something kind of out of the box. Yeah, you know what? It's funny about that question. A few things. One, it's a, it, it's really hard. It's it's so many more, unfortunately, tragic and sad stories. <laughs> Easy to think of. Wow. Versus funny moments. Although I know there's like a million, but because it becomes so normal yeah it's easy to just not even like remember some of them but i can think of two one was is a story from when i was a student if that counts yeah and the other one is when i was an educator well you know when i became an educator um the first one when i was a student one that sticks out to me was when i was in high school my freshman year and i had uh i went to a magnet from arts high school and I had a TV and film class and my instructor was giving a lecture. And I remember I was sitting kind of close to the front of the class, which was unusual, but <laughs> <laughs> I was. And I remember during his lecture, these three girls who were kind of known to like start of trouble were cracking up in the back, like hyster- hysterically, obnoxiously, like just cracking up. And I remember everyone kept looking back, like, what are they laughing at? To the point where, and this teacher, he was pretty passive aggressive. So he was letting them kind of get away with it at first. But then after a while, he just stopped and was like, ladies, what's the issue? And when he stopped, they fell out onto the ground and were crying, laughing. So we're all like, what are they laughing at? <laughs> well, you said we could be ratchet, right? <laughs> it came clear to everyone that they were laughing <laughs> at this man, at our teacher, because he had a hole in his pants and his entire nutsack no. was out on the stool. Are you joking? Just, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. So first off, that just brings up a few questions. Because first off, sir, where are your drawers? <laughs> scenario rather is that being a young black male in uh, uh, high school or any school you know and being single it it, it creates a lot of awkward scenarios one possibly sometimes with students which you know you got to be very vigilant about but you sometimes are surprised when you meet their parents (laughs) there have been a few occasions where I have uh, asked to speak with a parent if they were coming up for like, you know, teacher parent conferences or something like that, just to talk about their student or what I think they should do. Um, and for two particular occasions, I remember talking to a parent about their student and their moms were like <laughs> googly eyeing me, asking for my number, making like references and jokes like, yeah, I'll cook for you. You can come <laughs> over. 
one of them, their son was standing right there. It was very inappropriate and awkward. And yeah. It wasn't too funny in the moment, but looking back on it, it's kind of funny. Exactly. I've I've been in those situations, but I've also witnessed that with quite a few of my colleagues. And it's just like, yo, when it when it comes down to it, people feeling a little lonely. Look, <laughs> for real, but it's why not shoot your shot? In, yeah, but not in front of your child. <laughs> like you gotta have some cool, some kind of you know what I mean, some swag with this. Don't do this in front of your child. This is now awkward. Look, man, the opportunity presents itself. You gotta do what you gotta do. Oh, we okay. So we see what's going down at Yosk. Look, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to go ahead and and jump into our conversation today. Uh, Today we'll be diving into a conversation that seems to be one that we we just have not figured out yet. And it's revolving around why so many of our Black males are, are failing in school. And maybe the question really should be why so many of them are failing at doing school. But that's just a conversation for another day. But... Just want to hear from you, Josh. Uh, can you just speak a little bit to your background and, and how it relates to this topic? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, first and foremost, I am black as hell. Okay. And I happen to be a male. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one, my experience. Um, I grew up, uh, as, I, as you stated earlier, uh, under a mom who has been an educator all her life. Um, and served in many capacities, administratively or in the classroom. Um, and so that was my first introduction into school. Um, and, and I just remembered like the, the different stories and things that she would encounter or deal with when it came to black uh, young student, black male students uh, when I was coming up. Uh, but then even outside of that, um, well, one, when, when I went to Howard University, I was afforded some opportunities even there in DC, working with some inner city students. Um, and then leaving there when I was trying to figure out my, you know, struggling artist thing, you know, I picked up a substitute gig. Uh, and that was a, a very um, <laughs> interesting experience mm-hmm. dealing with young black men. And then probably one of my most significant experiences, it was my most recent one which was working with a nonprofit as a dream director. Um, and I had a chance to work with, you know, a great deal of black men in high school and, and through all of those capacities and also just being around young black men, you know what I mean? Like for me, that those experiences are just as significant being yeah. friends with and, and knowing other young black men um, personally. Yeah. And knowing, you know, I mean, the context behind them and, and, and now being older and looking back and seeing like what their challenges were and, yeah. you know, how we all kind of could relate to each other. Uh, so, yeah. Thinking about so thinking about the differentiating factor. So you grew up, of course, had plenty of friends growing up and thinking about the differentiating factor between your experience with school yeah. And your friends' experience with school. And I'm talking about friends that maybe weren't afforded the opportunity to, to go to college or just have a different just trajectory in life right now. If you had to look back in retrospect, knowing what you know now, yeah. what do you think were the differentiating factors that kind of split 
your past? That's a very loaded question. I mean, uh, to be honest, because there, there probably were many mm-hmm. factors. I don't think it's just one. Uh, but I mean, some that come to mind, you know, as simple as like identity, like a lack of identity. Sometimes mm-hmm. some, young, some of the young men out here don't uh, know, you know, fully who they are, <clears throat> which then leaves them a little lost or confused about where they're going. So, so that you, al- that you, alone. Would you say you got that from home? Yeah, definitely. I definitely got it from home. I got it from you know, really the village around me. I mean, it started with home. You know, my, my parents were you know middle class Christian um, household parents. You know what I mean? So you know, standards were high. The discipline was high. They didn't play that, um, but also they were they they knew gave me the freedom to you know try things and, and, and do extracurricular activities. So I was fortunate enough to like see myself in different capacities, yeah. uh, which I think helped in like things such as decision-making, <clears throat> you yeah. know, and, and risk-taking. And I've seen some of my counterparts and peers growing up who really, that was foreign to them because no one in their circle was doing those things. You know, it's, it seemed much more foreign. Um, than it did for me. Yeah. I I recently read in an article that in one way, shape, or form, Black boys in schools are characterized by, by five Ds. Dumb, deprived, dangerous, deviant, and disturbed. Wow. Right. So I, I, I found that it's, it's really easy sometimes for us to pull out the problem but devastatingly hard for us to find a solution. So in your opinion, if you had to name the number one reason why so many of our black young males are failing in school, what would it be? And I know it's hard, but if you had to put your finger on it and say, this is the magic thing, if we got this right, or this is the thing that's tremendously driving our kids, you know, toward these paths of destruction, what would you say it would be? Well, I mean, this is a stretch, but if I had to really, really answer that, honestly, I would say we, it's capitalism. Wow. I think we, that we would have to totally restructure how, you know, I mean, our society thrives and that's, and that's capitalism. And the reason why I say that is because I think that in itself informs how we structure schools. Mm. And, you know, I mean, we prepare them to enter a society of capitalism. And for those of us of color, we know that cap- this capitalism wasn't created with us in mind. And so because of that, we are lacking, you know, collectively, I say we are lacking in so many areas where it's very hard for us to keep up. And so how that translates into the school is like, you know, I was dealing with students who really, as, as crazy as it sounds to people sometimes, like really didn't always have food at home, but wasn't eating breakfast, you know what I mean? Or like, um, you know, they, they didn't have the money, you know, or resources to go to any other like higher ed program or college, you know what I mean? Or, or keep up with sports because they had to pay for the uniform and, you know, 
pay dues and fees. They, you know, they they struggle with things like that. And you know, I, I just think, and, and, and we know that we live in a very high paced society, so they're trying to keep up in ways that aren't always long lasting. Um, you know, especially in the social media age, everybody now wants to, you know, utilize their talent to, to find a living. And, I'm, and, you know, I'm not mad at that. Clearly, I'm an artist, so I get that. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> but unfortunately, I feel like often they are limited to tapping into their true potential because of just the environment that we are in. Yeah. This, so this is actually my first time hearing somebody use the word capitalism as the reason why black black young boys are, are failing. And you mentioned it it's really informing the way in which we, we structure schools that it's ultimately a hindrance to a student's success. So what yeah. what are you seeing within schools that that deem to be a hindrance as opposed to a help uh, to our young black men? Yeah. Oof. Well, <clears throat> you know, and in, 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 in some ways this can sound extreme, but I, I just truly believe it. Like, like for instance, one way <clears throat> is that schools are kind of very close to like the prison structure, right? And the reason why I think that's significant is because I, I had a good number of students, particularly black male students, who were very familiar with prison, whether it had been because their father was in prison, their brother was in prison, or their best friend was in prison. Like, it's a real, real thing. You know what I mean? Like, and they, they actually relate to each other because of that. You know, it becomes mm-hmm. a thing, like, you go on their social media pages or, or in their profile, mm-hmm. the majority, and they, they, it's almost like it's a trend, sadly, but majority have either RIP somebody or free somebody. You know what I mean? That's the majority. Um, And so schools, I've come to realize, like, kind of are kind of uh, are similar in in that structure where they kind of, I feel like, adapt similar to how you would in a prison. You know what I mean? We have, there's a time to check in, time to check out. You know, uh, the school bell, even the sound, like, you know, it's almost like it becomes a robotic mm-hmm. relationship. And we are, you know, I mean, three dimensional human beings, four dimensional human beings. So like that, that's one way. I think also another thing that hinders black males in school is that often I feel like curriculums or particularly discipline as a one size fits all mm approach um and we are so uh diverse and complex and layered that every black male is a unique situation you know what i mean i mean i've dealt with anxiety all the way to uh molestation you know what i mean like those things show up so differently in the classroom and yep. it can easily be perceived as one of those five D's you listed. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, if you're not familiar with that particular neighborhood or that demographic, uh, it, 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 it can be hard to understand or relate or properly deal with that student. 
so that they come out victorious on the other side and not just uh, submissive yep. to authority. But we're in this cycle of, of the blame game, I think, right now. Like, teachers blame the parents. The parents blame the school. The school blames uh-huh. society. And it's not really getting us anywhere. Yeah. So if you were to speak to an educator or, uh, you know, maybe a school leader who only has so much in their locus of control, right? Yeah. What What would you tell them as a way to start taking away some of those barriers that's preventing our Black boys from being successful? Mm. Oof, one, pray if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, it, the, the struggle I have with the educational system is that often I have felt powerless. And that mm-hmm. is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's definitely something you can take home with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Secondhand yeah, trauma. I, I say that, That's going to be another topic we talk about. We, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have to bring you back on for that one. We need to talk through Got secondhand it. trauma for real. It's a real thing. Yeah, but anyway, so yes, um, pray. What else? <laughs> um, but I would, in the, in the little bit of capacity that people have, I, I think it's as small as it is, I think affirmations mm. are important. Mm-hmm. I think uh, any kind of microcosm of a rites of passage is important. I think, you know, um, being acknowledged by your community, whether you're the educator or the family, is important. I yeah. think those things make a difference. It may not solve everything. Yeah. You know, young people are facing way greater challenges than we have and then our former parents had. Um, But I think it does make a difference uh, down the road. Um, Yeah, I I would say take those moments, you know, rites of passage, affirmation, really pouring into the student. I think that is often missing. You know, it's, it's hard to take math and science so seriously if I don't have the mindset or the skill sets to lift myself up and, and study and, mm-hmm. and see through a test that I find challenging. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like those things are muscles and it, it starts with, to me with the mindset. And it's a lot of these young folks, it's particularly black men aren't, don't have the right, the correct mindsets to really navigate this thing we call school. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to your point that you you spoke about around lack of identity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had a village, you had folks pouring into you, you were able to develop to develop this is the type of man I want to become or aspire to be, and you had folks pouring into you, and sometimes that that pouring into for some of our, our young black men comes and sounds differently from from folks that may have been impacted with some generational stuff that yes. that that's yes. not what we're we're trying to infuse into our our young men right now. So yes. this whole idea of this constant affirmation and allowing them to be seen, heard, felt and creating those opportunities within our school, I think is something that Seems small. You think it's small. I, I, it's it's not a small feat 
to be able to train educators and train school leaders like this is going to be the fabric of who we are as a school. Like we're moving into the school year or the semester or whatever with the spirit of affirmation, with creating a space in every single one of your lessons for someone to feel heard, for someone to express their voice, for someone to, you know, give a real, you know, feeling of, 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 you know, what they have recently experienced in their life, whatever it is. I think creating those spaces uh, is, is, is small. Yes. But it's also something that can be intentional and, you know, can have a, a huge impact. Uh, so yeah. I think that that's... It, it, it opens up a world of possibility for yep. them. You know what I mean? Which then translates to me into intelligence and intellect. Uh, you know, like, just just knowing and feeling like, you know, regardless if I am equipped, I am able. Yeah. I am powerful enough. I am, you know what I mean, dope enough yeah. to step up to the plate and give something a try. Um, that that's important because then that translates into their life later when it comes to them having to, you know, make rent and pay the bills and you know, yeah, it, it just it just matters. Ooh, I got a question. Sure. Okay. What do you think is the place of white educators? in the lives of black young men? Oh, Lord. Um. <laughs> some of them, you know, some folks are, are educator allies and they, they're, no, they're, they're in there working, trying to get it right. Sometimes they make some missteps, but what, what do you I think is, is their place? Think about your best, you know, teacher maybe that you, you had that was Caucasian white. Yeah. Um, and maybe one that was like yo ass should not be here. <laughs> yeah, I know a few on both sides. Wait, what's the actual question though again? You just said that just said yes. So what is what is the role of a white educator All right. in the development of our young black boys and helping them to succeed in school? Mm. Mm. Such a complex question, Jasmine. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, though, the first I'm gonna just go with the first thing that, that came to my spirit, and this is what I feel like I witnessed myself with white educators that I think has been beneficial. And I think, and this it, it like was tough for me to witness at first, but mm-hmm. I it took me some time to realize, you know, actually, I think this is. This works a little bit, oh, um, and that's transparency. Mm. I think it is the obligation of white educators to see their students and acknowledge that there is a difference, um, and that they are aware of that, um, and that it it actually probably would even help to to maybe even express you know what. What's in it for them for being there? Mm. You know what I mean? Because that develops trust. You need you need trust in the classroom, <laughs> in the school building. Period. Um, but I, I wouldn't even shy away from that. I, I think transparency all around just is important. And I've witnessed uh, particular white educators really practice that. I mean, mm. you know, and 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 
and talk about white supremacy and talk mm. about like you know the difference why you know students need to make certain decisions because if they step out of the school building you know the police officer is not going to treat them the same way as they would them or, yeah. you know um yeah because otherwise you know these these young black kids ain't stupid you know what i mean like they have a lot of knowledge yeah. at their leisure yeah so they're, they're aware of what's going on and they're aware of you know racial inequalities and differences and they will quickly use it against you yeah. if they see a weak spot in your <laughs> in your approach to teaching and, that, and that's one of the first things they will always go for you know um I think transparency, but but also with that transparency is you you have to be informed because it goes to what you were talking about those white educators who ain't got no business around young black and brown students. You know, I've I've actually witnessed a white teacher use the N word. Oh baby, <laughs> well, I mean, and I mean with the hard ER. <laughs> yeah, now granted, kind of funny moment because. The students got her together, <laughs> had her oh, literally cornered into a corner, and she was crying. You know, I mean, it was just that kind of situation. But that's important. That's important because then, all, if 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 not, that teacher is a representation of that school, and also a representation of that school system, right? And so, if they see that a white educator is not necessarily um, truly invested in that particular community or the betterment of that community, then what does that do for their trust in this system? Yep. You know, it's just like, oh, well, this is clearly a formality, not something really that is here to service me. Yep. And and that's what I can say to that. You know, it's, it's a hard thing. If I, I don't know if I could be a white educator. <laughs> I, to be honest, if I, if I were... You know, right? I, 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 that's just a very hard task. Um, yeah. But there are some who can do it, and shout out to them. Yeah, and I, and I know many, many of them. Many of them I've had the pleasure of, of teaching alongside, of leading. Uh, but I've also been exposed to to some where they said, um, "What more do you want from me? I don't have to be here." You know, and and like I'm here as a gift. Right to oh, to baby. you in this oh, community, God. and my lord, my lord, my <laughs> lord, take me now, my lord, my lord. Yeah, See, that's it, their it, role. That's their role. They need to pick up some hymns. Because <laughs> somebody had to snatch me up out of there. Because that was that, that when that experience happened for me, and we'll talk about that on a, on a later podcast. I had to get snatched up out the classroom because it was about to go down. But you have some that genuinely want to be informed. They want to understand. They understand the systems of equality that they are a part of simply yeah. by their their privilege. But but they're doing the work to to yeah. be an ally, and yeah. you have others who talk that talk, but you ain't walking the walk, right. or or you have these imposters in infiltrating our our schools and impacting our black and brown uh, young men and women in ways that are detrimental for the rest of their lives. And we we yes. we gotta we 
school leaders and these networks and districts have, we got to do a better job of understanding the dynamics of our communities, of our families, and figuring out this, uh, this holistic approach. Because yes. it can't just be the parents. It can't just be the principals. It can't just be the teachers. We got to come into this thing together because we're, we're fighting against uh, uh, this system, this thing that we can't even fully see. Uh, so, it's a monster. Yeah. yeah, it's a monster. It's a monster. So, so Josh, thanks so much for engaging in that conversation uh, with me. I appreciate it. Now I'm going to move us into our next segment called Cold Call, where we get a letter from an educator. Josh, I want you to engage oh. in this conversation with me. Now, these letters range from having, you know, problems with a parent to some some personal issues as an educator. And I think you're you're gonna be the right person for this this letter. Ah! <laughs> we'll see. Uh oh. Okay. All right, here we go. What should I do? I am in my third year teaching in a fairly new charter school in the Midwest. I believe I am a talented and hardworking educator. I find it hard to find time to date outside of the time I put into work. I don't really like the dating app thing because that's another thing I have to, to devote time to. There is another teacher at my school who has been there for four years and she's a baddie. She's beautiful, intelligent, get these kids in line and clearly loves what she does. At an after work function, oh, here y'all go with these after work fun functions. I felt like something was kicking off between us. Since the stay at home order, we of course can't see each other, but we have definitely been texting and FaceTiming. Is this a good idea? I can't seem to find love or connection anywhere or at any other time. And this damn near perfect woman is right in my face. What should I do? First off, y'all better stop with these after work functions. Getting y'all in trouble and setting y'all up for the okie doke. Y'all in there drinking rounds and rounds. And next thing you know. Well, come on, Jazz. You, you know, you already know how it is, though. It's you know how it is, though. On a week-to-week basis, you need those times and those moments to, like, I get it. You know, I, I was there, but now... talk about your situations with your, your fellow, you know what I mean? And the next thing you know, you in the corner somewhere <laughs> with Susie Ann, and you the talk of the town at PD the next week. So, go on ahead. That's so true. And stuff in the school building gets around fast. Go, yep. I don't know how, but it just does. So, go on ahead if you want to. Okay, so Josh, what what is what what should he do? I mean, so in my humble opinion, I think you know, first off, anything is possible, right? I I I, I can't possibly say like hands off any other coworkers. Although I personally am not necessarily a fan of dating coworkers, particularly probably in the school building, just because you know. To think of the worst, if it doesn't work out, how does that then affect not only our relationship, but, you know, your other fellow co-workers who you have mutual friendships with? And please don't let the students find out, because that's, that's another thing. Yep. And they will definitely, you know, put their investment in it. Yep. But I would say this, like, I think it's important in situations like that to to. Walk it slowly. I would say, like, create a little boundary. Yep. You know, for y'all to 
explore that and as best as you can, you know, use your discretion. You know, it, it, I, I think the less mm. people know, the better chances you have. Because if it doesn't work out, then it, everyone doesn't, yeah, you know, feel they have to do something, say something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just look. It's a tough thing. There's risk, but there's always risk. Involved. Look, I'm gonna you know be like, real. I I know somebody that knows somebody that dated somebody in the school. I ain't gonna say no names. <laughs> and the fact is, it's like if y'all are dating like hardcore dating, you gotta see them at work. Then you yeah. gotta see them after work. You yeah. got beef at the house. You probably got beef at the school. Like yeah. it's. It's a slippery slope, and yeah, it can it's become. It's it's not ideal, and it can it can become real messy, real fast. And again, yeah. these kids ain't crazy; they already know what's up. So don't let it get out there, because that's a whole nother distraction. Yeah, and then I, I don't know. It's just and that can play a part. You're right. I mean, it's possible, but I think the, the number one advice it sounds like is discretion. You just have to, yeah. you have to be able to hold that down under wraps because the, the more it gets out, the more you're liable to run into conflicts. Um, then you but can, I agree with you. you Seeing them all day, every day, media. especially in a dating phase, ah, it's just not ideal. You know what I mean? I think that what makes dating great is the time missed and the and the time yeah. you know i mean to miss them and catch up and have time for yourself yeah. you know so as you slowly get to know this person but if i'm honest i have seen successful stories mm. you know what i mean so at mm-hmm. the same time it does also come down to the maturity of the person yeah i think that's true think, you know what i mean if two educators are mature enough and, and know how to navigate you know dating life with boundary and discretion it's it's possible. Yeah. So I say shoot your shot, bro. Just, <laughs> just you know, keep it on the down low. Look, yeah, I probably shouldn't sing that. Yeah, now, no, but. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I I say discretion. That's yep, that's key. But I don't know, listeners, what y'all think? Uh, send us your thoughts. Send us. If you think, give them some tricks and tools for those of y'all that dated, had your bae as your co-teacher, maybe as your principal, maybe, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, look, a that's, a right that's a whole that's a different scenario. L- layer they there. The, they the person who signed your check. <laughs> look, Joshua, thank you so much for being on today. This was a dope conversation. I look forward to having you on in the future and us just exploring so many more topics. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is my pleasure. As long as the check clears, we are good. Oh, <laughs> right. And that is the end of this episode, <laughs> folks. <laughs> thank you for joining. Thank y'all for joining us on the Summer School Podcast. If something stood out to you in our conversation today, If there's a topic you would like for us to explore or hell, even if you're a woke, witty, or petty educator and want to be featured, drop us a line at info at the summerschoolpodcast.com.